Parsha Seftim describes to us in detail how the Jewish army goes out to war. And the first part of the process, it says that the Kohen was specially chosen for the purpose, he's called the Moshech Milchama. He addresses the troops. And he says to them, Shema Yisrael, Rusnin Kla Yisrael, Atem Halchim, you're going out today to battle against your enemies. And what's the point of telling them that? That's what they've amassed before. That's what they know is going to be ahead of them. So Chazal and the Gemara tell us that there was more to this than just the simple words of the Pasuk. The first thing he told them is Shema Yisrael. You should know Klai Yisrael. You have the schus that you call Yisrael. And that's going to stand to your stead, so to speak, when you go to battle. And the second thing, you're going today to fight your enemies. And let Chazal say that they are Zorin, they're going to show no mercy on you. Why was it necessary to have this introduction? But it continues. And the instruction that Klai Yisrael given was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, don't panic. Why all these expressions? So the Gemara tells us in Sota, it's brought here in Rashi as well, that the way that the non-Jewish armies would go to battle, they would clash their shields, they would make their horses rear up and, and neigh, or whinny, whatever the word would be. They would blow bugles and trumpets, they would shout and make a lot of noise. And Klai Yisrael might be afraid when hearing a whole cacophony of noise, a whole, so to speak, commotion which the non-Jewish soldiers are producing. And therefore the Apostle tells us, don't be afraid of the horses, don't be terrified of the clash of the, of the shields or of the call of the bugles. And I've always had the question, that's not something which is strictly the domain of the enemy. If there's some benefit to fighting by causing pandemonium and a lot of noise and uh, excitement, the Jewish soldiers could do the same. Are we less capable of clashing cymbals and trumpets and blowing uh, trumpets and making a noise? Why was it something which seemed to be, so to speak, the domain of the enemy which we were warned not to be afraid of? So really, in understanding this, we're going to learn that there's a much deeper underlying feature over here. We know that really warfare is the province of Asaph. Asaph's brachia lived by his sword, and that's Asaph's pride and glory, the ability to fight, the ability to go to war. And the ones that happened to visit one of the royal palaces of Europe and the display on every wall was a weaponry whether it was swords or rifles or whatever it might be that was what they were proud of that was what they were so to speak showing off on all their on the mantelpiece and on the walls can you imagine going to a Jewish home and seeing cutlasses and knives hanging on the wall we know Asaph Asaph prides itself in its armors Asaph prides itself on its armies. And not only that, 
Therefore, Esav invests much more in preparing their soldiers to be fighters. We know maybe one of the most powerful armies in history was the Roman army. The Roman Empire was nearly invincible. And the Romans, as Asaph, perfected the art of warfare. And how did they do that? What was the training for their soldiers? They were Asaph. And therefore the way they trained their soldiers was to be brutal. To show no mercy. To show no compunction to killing and causing destruction. And the more they could train their people to act with brutality, to encourage an environment where the law of the jungle would reign, that's what made them better soldiers. And if you look at the beginning of Asav's, so to speak, training, it was in the empire of Rome. If we look at the end, also Asav, and that is the Nazi forces of Yamakshimam, we find something very similar. And that was, the training was to be cruel, not to show any mercy. If one soldier wanted to be an officer in the SS Yamakshimam, the training was to be able to kill Germans and not flinch. That's what qualified a person to join the elite of the SS. The training in cruelty, the training in brutality. That was Asa's forte. So much so, I saw a quote, and Hashem should forgive me for quoting from such a person. When in one of the history books describing Hitler Yemakshamo's obsession with destroying the Jews. And the writer that it wasn't necessarily the same anti-Semitism which had plagued Europe for so many centuries. Right, Hitler Yemakshamo believed that the fight between the Jews and the, the Germans was that the Jews introduced to the world the concept of conscience and a concept of a concept of compassion and a concept of a moral value system. Whereas, again, in Maximo Hitler's words, Germans, he said, we barbarians. The, war, the survival of the fittest, whoever is the most brutal, whoever has the most force should do it, and show no mercy and no compassion on anything less, they should destroy them. And the fact that Jews live and espouse a system of kindness, of morality, in his warped worldview, that contaminates society. And therefore he writes, as long as the Jews are alive, even an unlearned Jew, they have in their soul a nature which contradicts the wildness of the jungle, a certain sense of decency and morality, which he felt as barbarians they wanted to destroy. And he wasn't wrong. That's the MS. Jews intrinsically are Rahmani bin Rahmani. Jews intrinsically are merciful people, are kind people, look to help other people. A culture of cruelty and brutality is foreign to us. 
we can't understand how people would act in such a manner even. We Yaakov in their Esau. But this brings us to the question. And that is, if that's the case, when Yaakov has to fight a battle against Esau, when the Jews are coming to fight a, a battle against non-Jews, how are we meant to do that? This is their field, not ours. And yet we might be attacked and we might need to go out to battle. We haven't trained ourselves in the art of warfare like Asaph has. We haven't hardened ourselves as seasoned soldiers like they have. If Yaakov had to find soldiers to go to battle, they would take people learning from the best measures and arm them and send them to battle. And how are these gentle, kind-hearted people meant to stand up in battle against seasoned, hardened, cruel mercenaries? And that's how the Yisoda what the Kohen came to say. One might think that to go to battle, one has to learn how to act like an Asaph. That might be... Uh, a necessary evil that that's the only way to fight wars and therefore if you're going to have to go to battle you're going to have to act the way Esau acts you're going to have to fight the way Esau fights just like if a person would tell you that the world of business is a corrupt world and if I want to succeed I'm going to have to be corrupt as well And that's what the coin is coming to warn us. Not to do that. Not to be like that. If we would act like Asaph, we might win the battle. But we're losing the war. Because the war against Asaph is much more fundamental than just a skirmish in the battlefield. It's a fight between the ability of a person to live up to the standard of Hashem or if a person is consigned to falling to the level of a wild animal. And if you're going to follow Esau's methods, even if in this particular situation on the battlefield we might be victorious, but we've given it in a much bigger sense. We've shown that we can also fall to the level of an armed animal. And therefore, Shema Yisrael, Shema Yisrael, your schus in battle is that you're acting as Yisrael. Not that you're trying to emulate Asaph at his own game. And you're going to war today against an enemy. An enemy who's cruel. An enemy who's not going to show mercy. An enemy who's going to try and kill and destroy. And it's necessary to tell them that because that's the nature of Asaph you're going to fight. But you're not going to be like that. You're not going to match cruelty with cruelty. You're not going to try and match brutality with brutality. Not only that, the non-Jewish armies that we saw the Pasuk says, they would clash their shields, they would blow their bugles, they would rear up their horses and make a lot of noise. For that kind of battle, the more pandemonium and the more chaos, that lets loose the animal in a person. Which is what the non-Jewish soldiers wanted. It was in that setting where they could give free reign to the low, the worst of their middas, 
basest parts of themselves. And the Jews aren't going to emulate that. We're not going to crash cymbals and blow bugles and arouse those same base instincts of the person. We're going to war in a refined way. We're not emulating Esau. And therefore we see so many of the halachas which apply to battle in this week's parasha are meant to drive home this point. Number one, you're going to a battle as an enemy. You have to offer peace first. We don't fight to fight, to kill. It's only as a last resort. If it's possible to offer peace, if it's possible to let the, let the enemy run and not kill them, that's always the preferred choice. Number two, non-Jewish soldiers are going to battle, to kill, to plunder, to spoil. They're going to be destructive. There's no moral reason for their shillings. When it comes to Jewish soldiers, and you're going to battle, the Torah says, don't destroy fruit trees. Fruit trees aren't attacking you. It's a bediever that you're allowed to kill enemy soldiers because they're a threat, because they're an enemy. But just to be destructive, a fruit tree is not an enemy. He's not attacking you. And therefore, you're not allowed to destroy a fruit tree. And number three, and maybe this is the most telling feature of all. The Pasuk says, last expiration of Bashar Sra'i, about a time when we had to attack our own. We had to kill people within Kali Israel. And that's in this terrible story of Eir Nidachas. When there's a city which is all worshipping of Zara, then we have to mobilize a force and go and kill all the people of that city. And there's a danger. There's a danger that when a person, a refined person, a chesedika person, is exposed to death, is exposed to murder, is put in a situation where he has to kill, it's going to affect his midas. He's going to become callous. He's going to become rough. He's going to become insensitive to human life. That would be the biggest tragedy of the battle. That Yaakov has become like Esau. And on that, the Pasuk war encourages us, promises us. That the Nasan Lacharachamim, Hashem will give you back your Midasarachamim. It could be by being involved in a battle, which is the battle we have to fight. A person loses some of that rachamim. Hashem is promising us, He'll return it to us. We'll get back that trait of compassion of rachamim. We shouldn't lose our mailas as Klai Yisrael are being put into battle. And if that's the case, we understand a different level of what it meant for Jewish soldiers to go to war. We see this by Yaakov himself. When Yaakov himself considers the possibility of having to fight Esau. When he hears Esau is coming to attack him, 400 men, Siyakov takes into consideration one of the three things he prepares himself is Lemilchama, for war. Once again, Yaakov wasn't a trained soldier. Whereas Esau was coming with 400 soldiers. And what concerns Yaakov before such a battle 
on the one hand, he might get killed, but also Shem Yehari He might be put in a place where he has to kill other people. It's a mitzvah. He's being attacked. He has to defend himself. That's true. But in some way, it might affect Yaakov's medis. It might affect his nature to have to be in a position that he has to kill. And that's what the Quran said in the people. Klal Yisrael, you're going to battle. You're in a situation where you might have to kill. That's what soldiers go to battle for. But it's important to win the war. It's equally important not to lose our identity as Klal Yisrael. And if we're on the ab- and we're acting on the battlefield to act like Ace of Acts. Don't learn from them. They are zorim. They are cruel. That's their nature. That's not our nature. We don't have to be like them in order to fight. There's one other point too. A military camp, being as it's meant in the non-Jewish world, to, so to speak, encourage the animal in a person. All those raw, primitive, bad medicine instincts. It was a place of every kind of depravity. There was no moral order in a military camp. Whereas when it comes to the Jewish camp going to war, your camp is meant to be holy. Even in war, even soldiers in battle, they have to maintain a much higher level of virtue. Why? Because that's our strength in battle. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to battle with you Our victory isn't trying to overcome Esav and Esav's game Our victory is because Hashem goes with us He's the one who's going to provide the victory And the way He's going to do it is if we deserve it And therefore our Koyach is B'schush Ma Yisra Our Koyach is B'schush that we can maintain our Kedusha Even in battle to finish with a beautiful midrash from Shirashirim. In the seventh and the sixth paragraph of Shirashirim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is extolling all the virtues of Klai Yisrael with the metaphor of a lady and it talks about Klai Yisrael's hair and Klai Yisrael's eyes and Klai Yisrael's nose and Klai Yisrael's teeth. When it gets to the teeth, it says, Shinaich Ka'edah Ravon your teeth are shining white like a flock of sheep have just been washed they're all perfectly aligned none of them are missing and we understand it's not talking about a person but each one is a metaphor of a different chalik of the Jewish people like we know Klaishol's leaders are called the the eyes of the Sibur and if that's the case who would be considered Klaishol's teeth? And the Midrash tells us that Ashkai Yisrael's teeth, these are the soldiers of the Jewish army. Just like the teeth, the sharp part of the body, whatever, if a person needs to bite something, he would use his teeth. as like an edge, it has something which is sharp. Same thing, the attacking force of Klai Yisrael. You're going to pull it. The Shinaich, of the soldiers of Klai Yisrael. And the praise given to Klai Yisrael soldiers, that they're all sparkling white. 
Like the flock which has just come from being washed. They're all perfect. None of them are missing. We see by the Jewish army that went to fight Midian. That after they came back victorious, they came to Moshe Rabbeinu. And they say, we made an accounting of all the soldiers that we had. Not a man of us was lost. That doesn't just mean like Chazal tell us that no, no one fell in battle. That's also true. But that no one sinned in battle. That no one fell from their level in battle. That's the pride of the Jewish army. An army unlike any other in the world. An army where it doesn't depend on brute strength or aggression and cruelty, but an army which depends on Shakula Matimus. That they're all tzaddikim. That they have to go to war, but they don't sacrifice their rachamim, their moral level, to fight. Because that's the real war between Yaakov and Esau. It's a war between morality and depravity. A war between rachamim and cruelty. Not just the battle pitch right now on the battlefield. In Klai Israel's victory, is when we can maintain our moral standing and our metastavis even in a situation which seems to be the playing field of Asaph.